Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. It is Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM, The Fan. As you can tell by the sound of my voice, it is not Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Fooled me. And today, <laughs> we are presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. I'm Toby Altizer. That's Adam Roberts. We're live from the Lakeland University Studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Got some events coming up with the Admirals, correct, Adam? That is correct, Toby. Garage sale season. Maybe not a great day today to be going to garage sales. Hot out, man. Hot, I don't know hot, too many hot. people that are doing Tuesday garage sales anyways. Um, well, except for the Milwaukee Admirals. Kind of eat my words because they are doing one the 28th and the 29th coming up next week at Panther Arena, downtown Milwaukee. Lots of interesting used gear available for purchase and for you to peruse. So you can get all the details on that at MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. Yeah, we've got a fun Sparky's Midday Madness plan for you. I'll be in on the Fan Afternoon Show, so kind of just four hours here with me, Toby Altizer. But I want to talk a little bit about Kyrie Irving. Matt Carroll, he's going to join the show coming up in about 15 minutes from reviewing the brew. And then also want to hear from Pat Murphy when he joined the big show just a little bit earlier today. Here's some of his comments from the Brewers bench coach there. And then uh, we'll get into some different topics during the fan afternoon show in just a little bit. But starting off the show, I do want to talk about Kyrie Irving. I don't know how much we've really been able to dive into this news that they're kind of at an impasse here with Shams Karania of the Athletic reporting that the Nets and Kyrie are kind of at an impasse and there's kind of some uncertainty as to what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving. Is he going to end up returning to Brooklyn? Is he going to go somewhere else? What, what teams are interested in him? I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch here over the next couple of days. You obviously have some 
different player options with the Bucks as well. And I believe the deadline for Pat Connaughton is today as well. So I'm interested to see what happens there. But I think the biggest name that we're kind of keeping an eye on at this point is Kyrie Irving. And I'm wondering where you guys might think he ends up. Or I, I don't think there's Bucks fans thinking this. I, I don't. And I don't know that you should be. But uh, there's Adam, there's no chance he would end up in Milwaukee, and there's really no chance that John Horst even thinks about it, right? Like, I don't, I don't even think that's crossed my mind yet. I'm silently laughing my brains out at the very thought of Kyrie well, trying to mesh with the team. That's what I'm saying. You know that there's a couple Bucks fans out there, I'm sure, that are thinking, uh, get Kyrie in here. I, I don't think that would ever happen, but... In case you are, I don't think it is. But if you want to talk about Kyrie Irving, 414-799-1250, you can tweet us at 1250am, the fan. I think there's some logical destinations for him. You know, the ones that have been talked about are the Lakers. Maybe he re-teams up with LeBron James, and they've won a title together, so maybe that's something that he could consider doing to go about out there to play with him. And assuming if that happened, Russell Westbrook would be going somewhere else and presumably for a pretty cheap uh, price tag for the team getting him. They'd have a large contract, but they would probably wouldn't have to give up a whole lot because it'd be a salary dump type move for the Lakers. So Kyrie could maybe end up out there. I really see him sticking in New York and just going over to Madison Square Garden. That's kind of where I see him ending up going to a team like the New York Knicks, somewhere where he's still going to be in the big market. He's still going to be kind of in the news, he's going to be at the forefront of all of this, but he's also going to be on a team where he's the lead dog. You know, I think that's one thing that, for whatever reason, Kyrie seems to care about. He went to Brooklyn and never really got to assert himself, so now he can kind of go back to a team where he can be the clear number one. And I, I don't know what Kyrie's priorities are, though, at this point in his career. Is it to continue playing basketball at a high level and trying to win championships? Is it to be something of an icon or an activist off the court? What exactly is Kyrie Irving's priorities? Because if it is to be a top-level basketball player, if it is someone that you want to make an impact with your basketball game, then I think maybe going to New York would make some sense because he could go there and kind of be the number one guy, work alongside R.J. Barrett and some of those guys. Whereas if he went to L.A., honestly, he might be third fiddle. Even though LeBron's kind of old, he's still going to be the top dog there. Anthony Davis still is considered one of the top NBA players by many people. And then you'd have Kyrie Irving join in, and I don't know that he would be able to come in and be the number two on that team. I, I think he's capable of it, but with how Kyrie has played and how little he's honestly been on the floor, how can you come in and demand to be a number two guy on a championship roster? And as frustrating as it is to continue to hear about the Lakers and as much of a joke as they were, and whether you want to discount the COVID season or not in the bubble, they were the NBA Finals champions in the bubble that year. So they are still a championship team not that long ago. So where does Kyrie end up going in turn? Because I, I don't know. It, it feels like this whole legacy thing matters to him, but doesn't really at the same time. Like, what does he want to be remembered by? You, you think about Kevin Durant and what he gave up. And, 
I mean, how stupid does Kevin Durant feel at this point that he left Golden State and I think kind of wanted to create his own legacy, so he's like, let's team up with Kyrie in Brooklyn, and then in turn, Kyrie barely ever plays with you. And now he's got Charles Barkley calling out his legacy. That's been a big thing the last couple of days, too. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know how much I read into any of that stuff. I don't, you know, I don't think Kevin Durant necessarily cares about the kind of impact he's leaving on the game. So, Eh, I I mean, he cares what his name is. Twitter activity would suggest otherwise. No, here's what I say. Well, here's what I mean when I'm saying, like, I don't know that he cares about his long-term effects on, like, he wants people to respect what he does as a basketball player and respect him as a player. But I, I don't think he's necessarily caring, like, if people are just talking and talking and talking all the time, I don't think he necessarily minds some of that stuff. I think he messed up in that he got too caught up in the narrative that it's all about championships. And I think that's one thing that's weird when we do personal legacies throughout sports, in sports that are very team-oriented, like football, like basketball, you know, any of these team sports, is we rely so heavily on something that isn't necessarily an individual award to judge an individual success in a league, right? So, you know, Michael Jordan, what's the biggest thing you like to point to when you say he's one of the greatest of all time? Well, he's six for six in the NBA Finals. And yes, Jordan was the leading scorer. Yes, Jordan was the leading player on that basketball team. And in my opinion, he's the greatest player of all time. But does that diminish because... LeBron James hasn't gotten to the NBA Finals all the time, or his team. I mean, look at some of the teams that LeBron took to the Finals. It goes back to the same sort of argument you can use with Aaron Rodgers to an extent, and some of his playoff failures is, are we really going to blame Aaron Rodgers for losing in an NFC Championship game when in reality that team probably should have never been there to begin with if Aaron hadn't kind of put the team on his back to get him there? And so with Kevin Durant... I think he kind of looks foolish because he wins those championships, things that really matter for his legacy for a lot of fans. He wins those championships in Golden State. He leaves to go to Brooklyn to be with Kyrie, and Kyrie essentially has been non-existent since his time there. I wonder what happens with KD at this point. I think he's going to stick it out in Brooklyn, but who does he get to come with him? And then Kyrie, I mean, there's a lot of question marks for the NBA this offseason. There really are. I'm excited to see some of these storylines play out because I think for the NBA if Kyrie's able to end up in New York and playing for the Knicks that would be an ideal situation you've got a guy that's one of the more polarizing players in all of basketball and all sports really with some of the stuff he does on and off the court you know he's an incredible basketball player that's exciting to watch with some of his handles his finishing ability around the rim and all those things that Kyrie's able to do on the basketball court I don't know that many people question that when he's on the court, he's probably a top two, three point guard, him, Steph Curry, and you know whoever else you want to throw in that vein. But I think he's even more polarizing off the court. And if you put him in a market like New York, you're just going to get an explosion of uh, coverage because of what he's doing. I will say, Toby, if he, for whatever reason, were to end up with LeBron in L.A. and A.D., Is there any first-year head coach who has inherited more of just an awful situation than former Bucks assistant Darvin Ham? I remember on the big show, Sparky would repeatedly, when the rumors were going around, he's like, I just hope he doesn't do this. Don't do this to yourself on your first job. And if for whatever reason Kyrie ended up out there, oh, that would be such a mess. 
Well, and part of the reason, too, why I say that there's like a 0% chance. You know, I had a buddy text me about this this morning. That's kind of why I thought about it. He's like, any chance that the Bucks would even take a look at Kyrie is like 0%. And the reason is, I think basketball-wise, you could make it work with Kyrie. Because I think he can play on the ball. He can play a little bit off the ball with his shooting. I think he could work fine. You'd obviously have to dump either Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday. One of those guys would be gone. So, you know, you don't wouldn't want to see that. But if you could guarantee that he was just going to play the games and he was going to be out there and it was strictly a basketball move, I think you could make it work. But with Kyrie, so much else comes with it that is not basketball related. One, how many games is he even going to play? Is he going to sit out for all their various reasons, whether it's a party, whether it's who knows what, because Kyrie's going to find his way to not play all 82 games. And maybe he's part of the driving reason why they're trying to shorten the NBA season. But I, I, I think there's 0% that you'd even look because of you have Giannis as the clear leader and Giannis isn't going to put up with the stuff that Kyrie does off the court. So any Bucks fan that has any thoughts of, well, maybe we could go after him. Maybe you can probably just go ahead and stop that right now. It's not happening. Kyrie's not going to end up in Milwaukee. And I don't even think that you would want him here, to be honest with you. I don't think that that's an option. I don't think you want him here. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Matt Carroll from Reviewing the Brew will join me, Toby Altizer, here on Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM, The Fan. It's Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm Toby Altizer in for Steve Sparky Pfeiffer this afternoon alongside Adam Roberts, AR producing the show Today, it's time to get out to the Great Midwest Bank hotline and talk with Matt Carroll from Reviewing the Brew and the Cold Brew Podcast. Matt, how you doing today? Um, Besides really hot, because it's really hot outside. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing hot. all right. How are you, Toby? Yeah, not doing too bad. It is very hot outside. And speaking of hot, one thing that the Brewers have not been speaking with the Bats. Last night, though, they get the win. How encouraging was it to see them get a win against the Cardinals last night? I mean, it was good. We saw the stat kind of coming into the game that both the Brewers and the Cardinals have done most of their beating up on the Pirates and Reds um, and then are right around 500 against other teams. So, you know, battle for the top of the division and the Brewers come out on top. And this one, really good seeing Corbin Burns look like his Cy Young self and uh, just enough from a contributor like Tyrone Taylor to put him over the top. So good first win in the series and we'll hopefully keep it going tonight. Yeah, and how impressive have the pitchers at the top of the rotation been? Because I think sometimes we take some of these guys for granted. You think about Corbin Burns. You know, we thought other guys would be in there talking about Woody. You talk about Freddie. Those guys have missed time. And in turn, you've expected some other guys to step up. And a lot of them have. But, you know, that puts even more pressure on the guys that you really expect to show up every night. Corbin Burns being one of them. Josh Hader, some of the other guys at the back end of the bullpen. How impressive has it been for some of these guys when they've needed them most, you know, outside of that little stretch where they struggled, to really step up and kind of carry the load for some of these injuries? I mean, it's definitely been a next man up attitude that they've kind of had to have. And you've seen guys like Jason Alexander step in and get wins. Hobie Milner has been, you know, one of the best guys out of the bullpen, which I didn't see coming myself. Trevor Gott was a bit of a surprise coming in, you know, before he went on the IL. And so they're, you know, kind of holding things together uh, as much as they can before some of the big names get back. You know, they had to really step up when a lot of the offensive players went down and like you said you know the offense kind of went into a bit of a drought that 
put even more pressure on the pitching staff, which was tough when they were missing some guys of their own. So it, it's been nice to see that they've done just enough to kind of keep pace a little bit with the Cardinals. And now as they get healthier and healthier, hopefully they can finally start to pull away as long as they can keep the injuries at bay. Talking with Matt Carroll from reviewing the brew here on Sparky's Midday Madness. I'm Toby Altizer in for Sparky today. One thing they talked about on the big show earlier today is looking at some of the core guys for this roster. Corbin Burns, Josh Hader, Brandon Woodruff, and Willie Adamas specifically. When you look at those guys, they're probably going to get priced out. They can't keep all of them once they become free agents and are eligible for that. Which one of those guys would you want them to prioritize signing, and do you think they'll be able to keep any of them? For me, I've been a strong proponent since the year began of looking towards an extension for Willie Adamas. I think it would be nice to lock down another part of the offensive core. He's been such a big part of that offense since he got here. Not just the offense, but you know, just the energy that he brings and what he brings to that clubhouse has been fantastic for the Brewers. And of those four, I think he easily is uh, the one that they can afford the most. I think with Corbin Burns being a former Cy Young award winner and looking as you know relatively good as he has this year, he's going to be super expensive for an extension. We know we've been talking for years about how Josh Hader is. Brandon Woodruff was going to be tough for them to keep as well. So if they can keep at least part of that offensive core intact, it's a little bit less than that you have to build around. And we have also seen that the Brewers have been able to create pitching depth seemingly out of nowhere. If you look at a guy like Mm -hmm. Jason Alexander, they're able to bring guys up like nothing. So is it easy to replace a Cy Young award winner or a guy uh, who's leading the lead in saves, a guy in Woodruff who was your opening day starter the last two seasons? No, of course it's not easy to do that, but it's more likely that they can do that in the pitching side than it is in the hitting side, especially a shortstop who hits as well as Adamas does. That's something that's rare to find. Yeah, and I think the pitching gets so expensive with free agency. That's why looking at something going forward where you're trying to improve this baseball team, I don't know that you can trade from the pitchers, whether it's someone that's already established or even one of these younger guys in the minors. What kind of guys would you be looking to trade if you're David Stearns and trying to get someone in here as a bat to help out for this team and hopefully propel them to a World Series? I think at this point, anyone's on the table. I think over the last couple of years, you may at one point have said that Bryce Terang might have been your only untouchable in the Brewers system. I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, I would love for them to keep him because I would love him to be, you know, second base potentially going forward if they decide to move on from Colton Wong. Uh, But I don't think untouchable is how you would describe him anymore. And with the rest of them, I think maybe the only other one I would have potentially thought was at any point was Joey Weimer. Super, super impressive. He's at double A, maybe at triple A by the end of the season. He may not be that far out from contributing, but the Brewers have a lot of outfield depth in that system. If you look at their most recent first mm-hmm. round pick in Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell is still there. He's you know been battling injuries, but he is still in the system. And now Jackson Churio is at low A and absolutely dominating and just adds to that outfield depth. So I think it really depends on the team that you're looking to deal with and what their needs are. 
And if their need happens to be a shortstop, if it happens to be an outfielder, um, those, if those are the prospects they're looking for, and it could potentially get you, like you said, a replacement in center field, you know, to add some firepower, I think you have to consider every option if you're David Stearns. So you don't have any untouchables, even a guy like an Ethan Small, or even if someone wanted to come up and maybe get something, one of the lower guys at out of the pitching rotation, like maybe a Hauser or something like that. Is there anyone that you're looking at? Obviously the top guys like Burns and those guys, but is there anyone specifically that you'd say, unless I'm getting someone that's spectacular, I'm not trading this guy. I no. I, I, again, I think, I think you have to consider all options, especially, you know, coming into the season, knowing you had this elite pitching staff, knowing that as long as the offense clicked at the right times, you had as good a chance as any, to make a playoff run, maybe with everyone healthy, it is just a piece here or a piece there that you need. So I, I, I was listening to you guys yesterday and I, I tend to agree with, I don't think you trade from like the current pitching staff, like a Lauer or a house or anything like that during the season. I think it is prospects that you're considering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, even in Ethan small, I don't want to see him go, but if, if a team is willing to give you an impact bat for a playoff run, and their asking price is Ethan Small. I mean, the return from them is potentially going to have to be big, but I, th- I do think you have to consider it. Talking with Matt Carroll from reviewing the brew here on Sparky's Midday Madness, and then looking at some potential trade targets, is there anyone you're looking at? I know a lot of people look at the center field position, especially now with Lorenzo Cain being out of town. Is there a specific position you want, or is there a specific player that you're looking at for the Brewers to trade for? Um, I'm looking position. I, I think with the Brewers, they can potentially make some things happen depending on who is out there and available. Definitely the outfield with Lorenzo Cain gone. It's, I've I've liked seeing the flashes that Tyrone Taylor has put forth, but do I trust him yet as an everyday center fielder to bring you into the playoffs? I, I don't know about that. And there's really nothing behind him in the minor leagues uh, to for added support. I think. The bullpen as well, it's nice once you get some of these guys back, but do you want to go into the postseason relying on a Miguel Sanchez or a John Del Gustave or, a, you know, as good as he's been, a Trevor Gott? Do you trust these guys in a playoff setting in these high-leverage settings quite yet? So it would be nice to add one, maybe two bullpen arms. That's where I'm looking, and it'll be, like I said, interesting to see what the fits are with the different teams, what their needs are versus what we have available to give um as we get deeper into june and july here those things will start popping up and we'll see whether or not we have uh what they need to come up with a trade i'm interested to hear where you feel about this brewers team because I think a lot of callers or maybe just people we see on social media generally fall in the pessimistic side where they look at this team and they say, yeah, they're a game up in the central, but they should be way further ahead. They've kind of underachieved to this point. They could have been a lot better. Then there's the flip side where you can look at it and say, look at all the guys that have spent time on the injured list and they are a game up in the central over the Cardinals and they're right there. Even if they were to lose the next three, they're still right there in the division race. I wonder where you feel like you're at with this team. Are you optimistic still? Are you pessimistic or kind of somewhere in the middle? I'm, I've still got optimism. I, I think it gets real easy to forget how many guys are out due to injury. You know, 
in the middle of when you're in the thick of it and when you start losing some games. I mean, there were some lineups that they put out there that had, you know, when you've got Pablo Reyes and Alex Jackson and Jace Peterson and, you know, Tyrone Taylor and Lorenzo Cannon, all these guys in the same lineup at the same time, of course you're not going to score a whole lot of runs. But as soon as they got really Adamas and Renfro back, coinciding with when Yelich got inserted into the leadoff spot, the offense started looking pretty decent again. That last road trip, you would have liked to have had a lot more wins, but they scored almost five runs a game. And generally that's going to be a recipe for success when you have a pitching staff like the Brewers. Now, of course, the uh, starting pitching kind of faltered a little bit on their own at that point. So things just weren't clicking at the same time. But as long as the pitching does what they're supposed to do and you have all your main guys in the lineup, this team can still produce. And so I still have optimism that, they will be okay, especially if they add a piece or two before the trade deadline. Yeah, so then just kind of expanding off of that, you feel like this offense, if they're fully healthy, if they're the offense that David Stearns looked at up and down this roster on paper before the season, you think this offense can create enough to be able to be a World Series contender? Obviously, you have to combine that with this pitching staff, but you think they're good enough, and then even when you add in another piece at this trade deadline, which I'm sure we all expect David Stearns to do, you could absolutely see them being pushed over the top and being maybe one of the favorites in the National League. Definitely. I mean, we saw what they did beforehand. Uh, at the beginning of the season, yes, they were beating up on some weaker teams, but even once they started playing uh, teams above 500 before they went through all the injuries, they were still looking okay. That offense, like I said, can produce when you have all the guys in the lineup. Is it a World Series-worthy offense? It's it's tough to say because I think you do need to see them against more winning teams, but with another piece or two, yes, I definitely think they can make a deep run. Talking with Matt Carroll from Reviewing the Brew, just a couple more for you here, Matt. Any concerns about some of these injuries with the pitchers? Obviously, Freddie, we know he's going to be out for a while, and I think we all hopefully assume that he can be back in September and get ready for a postseason push. And then you got Brandon Woodruff, who looks solid in a rehab start, going to make another one. Any concerns about some of these injuries in the pitching staff? Uh, Freddie's the one that does concern me a little bit. The fact that we really won't even get a chance to evaluate him until the beginning of August, which is what the team said. They said, we're not even going to discuss Freddie until August. You know, that's concerning. You're you're in the last two months of the season at that point, and he's got to kind of build back up uh, to be, you know, an effective starter. So at that point, then you've got, you know, Aaron Ashby in the rotation until he's ready to go. And, and again, you know, you, you've got a guy there that's, not as experienced. How does he end up faring in a playoff setting? You're not going a full five, luckily, in your rotation once you hit the playoffs, and so maybe that's actually a little good for them. Um, but I, Freddie was supposed to be a very, very important part of this rotation. It was supposed to be the three-headed monster of him, Burns, and Woodruff. And so not having him there, not having that full season to build up, um, it is a little bit concerning. But, hey, I guess on the flip side, he'll be fresh come playoff time as long as he comes back the way that he should. So, in that sense, maybe it is a positive a little bit, but until I see him and I see him looking good, I'd, I'll have a little bit of concern there. Talking with Matt Carroll, last one for you here. Do you think that there's any chance now that Lorenzo Cain has been DFA'd that they would consider bringing up one of these prospects in center field to maybe give them a shot at kind of proving themselves at the big league level before they 
ultimately decide if they're going to go get someone at the deadline? Maybe it's Garrett Mitchell, Weimer, one of these guys. You think there's any chance, or are those guys still too raw to bring up to the majors at this point? Um, I don't. I, I think the only one who would even be remotely close is Joey Weimer, um, who kind of mentioned before, but he hasn't even hit AAA. I know there's some guys who made the leap from AA to the big leagues. It has happened before, but you know this guy was just drafted in 2020. He was drafted knowing he was going to be a little bit of a project, kind of working with his swing. So far, that project has gone mm-hmm. extremely well. Um, but I think it would be a, a lot to put on the kid to already be trying him out at the major league level. I do expect him to hit AAA at some point. Um, and hopefully, you know, if he impresses there, then we'll see what his future holds. But I, I don't see him at the big leagues this season. Matt, appreciate the time. Tell us where we can find some of your stuff. Absolutely. Um, you can find our stuff at Reviewing the Brew on the Fan Sided Network. Um, and then we have um, myself and David Gasper, who is co-editor at Reviewing the Brew, is also, we both host the Cold Brew Podcast. Um, and this week we will have an episode where we speak with Greg Young, the broadcaster for the Carolina Mudcats. And we get to dig in actually a little bit to Jackson Churio, who is a prospect who has just been on absolute fire since the middle of May for the Brewers. So some fun conversation around those guys. Awesome. We'll make sure to check that out. Appreciate the time, Matt. All right. Absolutely. Anytime. You heard from Matt Carroll on the Great Midwest Bank hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious, breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. We'll continue some Brewers talk. Do want to hear earlier in the big show, they talked with Pat Murphy, Brewers bench coach. We'll hear from him next here on Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan. Sparky's Midday Madness here on 12. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. 50 a.m. The Fan. I'm Toby Altizer. That's Adam Roberts. We're live from the Lakeland University studio, and we're presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. And Adam, they've got an event coming up soon. Yes, friends, family members, children, and parents of all ages, mark your calendars. It is the annual garage sale coming up Tuesday, June 28th. That's one week forum today. That is for full and half-season ticket members on Tuesday. Then Wednesday on June 29th, it is open to the general public, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at Panther Arena. You'll be able to check out game-worn jerseys, new and game-used sticks, other game-used equipment, and... Because it's important in this economy, it is all priced significantly, their words, below retail value. So check it out next Tuesday and Wednesday at Panther Arena in downtown Milwaukee. And for all the details, you can check out MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. We just wrapped up our conversation with Matt Carroll from Reviewing the Brew. And earlier today, Pat Murphy from the Milwaukee Brewers, the Brewers bench coach, Joined the Wendy's Big Show. He was talking a little bit about Craig Council and the team. Here's what he had to say with the guys on the Big Show talking about Craig Council, his time scouting him for Notre Dame, and if it's any different nowadays than maybe it was back when he was scouting. Well, some of them did. It, it um, you know, it's evolved. I did it for 27 years, so you know, during that time, it evolved, and and uh, you got what you got today. I just had a kid go through it myself, and um. Yeah, it's pretty involved. You don't, you don't, uh, uh, you get exposure a lot easier these days. But the, the bottom line is, you know, trying to predict what a kid becomes um, or putting a label on a kid at this age when he hasn't full, his brain isn't developed, his body isn't developed, is pretty, it's pretty much of a crapshoot, a lot of guessing. Paul Goldschmidt was drafted in the 39th round. You know, Roddy Telez drafted in the 39th round. I mean, a lot of guys, Mike Brusso, didn't even get drafted, you know, There's a lot of guys that, you know, get through and it's really a matter of, uh, you know, who can keep making the adjustments. You know, coach, the other thing about council is because again, obviously you had him at Notre Dame uh, and then have been along uh, the journey uh, since he's been the coach too. Could you tell early on the the, the leadership skills that he possessed? Because I, I feel like if, if you're going to be a manager or you're going to be one of those great chemistry guys like council was during his playing days, uh, that that's something you either have or you don't have. I don't know how many people can learn that. Yeah, I don't think, to be quite honest with you, I never saw that. Really? Um, and I'm not trying to, I mean, this is a guy that I respect a great deal and he's taught me a lot. And, uh, um, you know, we've had a great relationship over the last 30 years, whatever it's been. But um, the bottom line is, you know, he was a quiet kid who was from a great family and, you know, he cared about the right things. Um he, his priorities in life were right, but he wasn't a great communicator. He wasn't a he wasn't a guy that was look at me. He wasn't trying to lead. He was leading by just being who he was and being a consistent thing. But his junior year, 
he kind of popped out a little bit and he could see, you know, wow, this kid, he's pretty consistent. But that's how he led. He led through that just consistent. Um, he didn't say much. You know, as a matter of fact, I would joke with him about how much he, his wife still reminds me that I used to say things to him to let him know that I believed he should talk more. And they, they weren't always the appropriate things. But, you know, I, uh, I would uh, remind him that I thought that was a key piece. And uh, anyway, what it, uh, when he got in big leagues, they a lot of guys said, hey, you could see it. Counts just knew the game better than others. And I think it's more about he just had a way about him that he doesn't waste a lot of oxygen talking about things that don't matter. He could get to the crux of things pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Uh, but to see it early, not real early, you know. We had uh, not real early. We had Doug Melvin on uh, yesterday because obviously, you know, he had counsel as a player, uh, and then gave counsel the job in the front office, and then eventually as a manager. Um, and, and I saw counsel talking about learning the advanced analytics part of it or whatever that year or so that he was uh, in the front office. Is that kind of a prerequisite now, a mandatory type he thing? Do you th- Come on. What? He's telling you he learned it all in one year. Like, <laughs> this, this Carl, yeah, it was, uh, who was it? It was Carl uh, no. Muller or whatever no, his name is. Yeah. It. He didn't learn it all in one year. He got familiar with it. No, no. He don't even know it today. Like, come on. But from that aspect, when you have a David Stearns, who obviously uh, is all about that, there has to be some type of, um, understanding, I would think, uh, from Collins oh, no uh, as far as what they're trying to accomplish. Because if you're not on the same page and you're some old school baseball guy that doesn't buy into that stuff, it's never going to work today. Well, I mean, that's you're just talking about stupid. If, if you don't buy into it and you don't understand it, meaning understand its value in the game, it's information. Why wouldn't you want to know more information about someone? If you're doing an investigation on someone and somebody's got a ton of information. Why wouldn't you want to know? Right. <laughs> and it's not. There's no bias in the information. There's just information. So everybody, anybody that, that's opposed to it is just, you know, ignorant. I mean, this is information to help you help players get better and, and ultimately help your team get better. So anybody that doesn't want to look at that stuff, I mean, it's our game today. It's, it's awesome that it's available. But to say that we understand how it's derived and how we get there and the process of it all, we understand it and, and, and what it does and have to be able to talk that language. But to, to act like, you know, counsel's in the classroom trying to come up with a logarithm to, you know. <laughs> no offense, he's a really bright guy, but, you know, that ain't happening. But that's the whole thing, uh, Pat, too, with that, is you have um, old school coaches, old school general managers, and then you have this new product that's out there that, that's derived by numbers, and then how do you make that all come together? Because I think there's importance still to both is the eye test, the feel of the game, and then there's also numbers of the game and how you mesh all that together. I I mean, because I'm assuming that, Pat, you are an old-school type of a coach. I mean, I'm experienced. I don't know about old-school. I think you have to move with the Experienced, yes. You know what I mean? Like, you have to move with the times. You have to. You know, you have to know the the generation, and you have to know how to talk to people. But still, love and discipline have been around for a a million years, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think if you use both and you come at them more transformationally than transactionally, I think you you win them over. And that's still a game about people. And if it's still about people, then, you know, I'm in. 
it's not just about numbers, but the numbers help us. And the analytics aren't just numbers. You know, it's trends, it's prediction, it's decision-making. And these are all aids to help us make those decisions. And I think the GMs today that, that are very, very smart, they, they're kind of smart in all the areas. And they do take into account, hey, what type of guy is this guy going to be in the clubhouse? Hey, what type of guy is this, this guy in, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, competing when things don't go well? I mean, they do take into account things like that. They're, they're asking about it all the time. That's why we exist, um, because there is a culture that still matters to them. So I don't think that the new wave just cares about the analytics. I think it's a big part of their decision-making and prediction. And, and it's, you know, the, the advancement of creating their own model to, to, to evaluate players. It's pretty cool. How do you... I don't think cold, old school guys would mind it at all. It's just, it's kind of fun. How do you, I guess, meld together hitting coaches uh, that are on your staff and then players having personal hitting coaches that they work right. on. I mean, that's got to be a lot of information. How do you guys as an organization man, bring world, that together? Huh? We, we got it. We got it at our fingertips. We got all this information. <laughs> Back when I was little, you say, you know, how big is the state of Utah? You, you got to go look it up in an encyclopedia and you believe what you read, right? Uh-huh. Now you can get it in three seconds, mm-hmm. you know? Before we had to go go to the library, and then they kick me out for being incorrigible. Or then you go to the library and have to sign up for a library card. And then you got to take out an encyclopedia. I mean, now they get it in three minutes. Yeah, my eight year old can get it in three minutes. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's there's access for all these kids to have all these coaches and have all all bunch of people. It's just their maturity and trying to help them understand. That's great. That's good information. How do you apply it? How do you make it part of you? Correct. Why is it good for you? Yes. You know? Can we talk about the third base coach position in Major League Baseball? Because Why? What's wrong with it? Because I feel like they're um, one of the more targeted people in Major League Baseball from a fan base. Obviously, the pitching coach is always one. Um, and then, well, managers one, and then the pitching coach, and then I feel like the third base coach is the next one because the third base coach, uh, you know, it says go and you go, and then you get thrown out. Everybody blames obviously the third base coach at the time. Uh, the third base coach puts up the stop sign, and the player runs through it. Then everybody's mad at the third base coach. Why don't they listen to you and so forth? Is that one of the more pressure-packed positions in baseball that maybe doesn't get enough credit that they deserve? Well, I think in our case, our guy is really, really good. Jason Lane, I had him as a player, and, and I'm happy to say that he's wore a lot of hats around here. He's really good at it. He's had two great years at it. Um, as conscientious as there is about his performance and his decision-making and his preparation for that decision-making, uh, hey, um, yeah, it's one, of, it's one of those spots that gets targeted when a guy gets thrown out of the plate or a guy doesn't score, and you think the guy should score because you see the aftermath. The throw wasn't what it what you anticipated it to be, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think it's that pressure packed. I mean, the hitting coach obviously is pressure packed because they only the average life expectancy of a hitting coach is like a year and a half. So that's <laughs> look around the league. That's not a not a a league that the real estate people should be contacting those people because none of them are buying. They're renting. Um, but but uh, the, the pressure packed. I mean, come on, we're all we're all just part of this thing and. And uh, we're all trying to do our best, and we understand the 
rigors of the job. We understand, you know, how it works, the business of it. And uh, you got to figure that out. And if, if you lose your job, that's, that's, you know, that's part of it. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, uh, because you guys play so many games major, in, in, in Major League Baseball. Does this series against the Cardinals, because you're, you're going to play them again, how is it clubhouse? Do you guys, because I'm a football guy and, and, and we only have what now 17 games and they all have a lot of weight on them when we go play them. Uh, but this Cardinal series, is there some extra in the locker room or do you feel that, not that this game is super important, but is there something extra in this game or in this series when you go play them because it's in first no place? Doubt. No doubt. No doubt. There's just no doubt. I mean, um, uh, you know, the Cardinals and us are two of the better pe- teams in the division. We're right there, and uh, we see each other a lot. We know each other a lot. They're all meaningful, you know. Uh, however you slice it, you lose it by a game, or, you know, it all often comes down to that. It has for us. You're the wild card team, or you're in, one or the other, or you're, uh, you know, one game out. We've had that in 17. Every year since has been fairly close. Um, last year, maybe not. Maybe that was the problem. I don't know. But all I'm saying is, yeah, these games are different. And yeah, it felt like a playoff atmosphere in, in our little area last year or last night. I mean, it really was. And uh, the, the, ten, the tension, the, 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 just the focus, everything. It just felt, it felt real. And that was a significant reason. When you come out on top, you know, your belief system goes up a little higher than it does on other wins. So that's why I like it. What one last? Was it, would it be disastrous if we lost? No, no, wouldn't have been disastrous. But but we had an opportunity to lift our 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 you know outlook on ourselves. You know, so I think our team self esteem uh, grew a little bit last night. What one, we've been banged up, we've been injured, mm-hmm. we've been and we've been bad. I mean, we've been all those things. One last one for you, uh, Lorenzo Cain. Uh, obviously, moving on now. You guys obviously play without Lorenzo for the one year with COVID when uh, he opted out and decided not to play that year. So it's not something you haven't been through already here recently. But I, I would have to imagine his clubhouse presence will be missed. No doubt. Everything will be missed. Locaine's the man. I mean, it's very personal for me. I've been here, I've been here during this whole time. I've watched this man um, be as authentic as, as a guy can be. He's a, you know, first and foremost, he's an authentic human. That plays the game with a passion. He understood how to how to create energy, um, and he did it. Uh, his skill set is his skill set, but this man gave the Brewers a huge lift during these times of success, and uh, he's a huge part of our team. I mean, it, it's emotional to even talk about it. He's a beautiful human. He's about all the right things. Um, he wasn't happy with the way he was performing. He wasn't happy with the way his body felt. But I do think there's more in him, and I, you know, he may he may decide to shut it down. You know, that that's his decision, personal decision. He's a huge family man, um, but I think there's more in him, and I think he can he can go impact another. And he needs a new he needs just a new a new place to go. I think, um, but he he knew that was it was mutual, and um, uh, sometimes you know, a fresh environment, some could change things and could. Rejuvenate him for a short time, but I don't think he wants to play very much longer, if at all. 
There you heard from Brewers bench coach Pat Murphy earlier on the Wendy's Big Show. Some interesting things there. I do like the fact that, you know, usually from a manager or someone inside the organization, when you ask him a question, hey, does this mean anything more? Yeah, whatever. It's another game. It's, you know, we play 162 of these. It's just another game. No, there's a little added incentive. It is the St. Louis Cardinals. It is an important division matchup. You understand that these are the teams... Well, this is the team in the Central that you're going to be going up against all year long to try and win this division. I thought that answer from Pat Murphy was interesting. It was interesting during the interview when Gary asked that question. I think we all kind of thought, well, this we're getting close to the end of the interview. I, I guess you got to ask about the current series. We expect to get the usual formatted answer that all these professional mm-hmm. player and coaches types do. And then we kind of all kind of turn our heads like, okay. Yeah. interesting content, but not wrong at all. That's why I really enjoy Pat Murphy. He's going to, as the guys would say, keep it 100, and he's going to give you the 100% answer. How much are they going to keep it? 100. What number was that? 100. Okay. Did you get that? Yeah. 100. <laughs> They're going to keep it 100. 100. <laughs> Sam, the guy over They're here. They're going to keep been... it 100. All right, and we're going to keep it 100 right here on Sparky's Midday Madness. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to save Sam from the golf talk. I'll have it with you here, Adam, while you're still here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Sounds good. It's 12:50 a.m. The fan. I'm Toby Altizer. That's Adam Roberts. That's not Sam Schmitz in the background. 12:50 a.m. The fan. Sparky's Midday Madness. These winds of change brought 98 degree weather to our area. Yeah, so. I don't like these winds of change. I'd rather go back to 60 degree weather. I'm like Bart. Anything above like 65 degrees, and I'm sweating my tail off. I don't like it. You have a tail? I do. I do. I'm Toby Altizer. That's Adam Roberts. Sparky's Midday Madness here on 12:50 a.m. The fan. Before we transition, basically change producers from. Sparky's Midday Madness to the Fan Afternoon Show. Eh. I, I did want to save Sam from this talk from a little bit later. want to talk with you about this real quickly. Brooks Kepka is headed to the Live Golf Tour. Indeed. Does that surprise you at all? No. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all either. And he, he's always been a guy that only cared about the big events, only really cared about winning the majors. So he's probably going to still be able to play in these majors. and. I don't know that he's one that's cared much about his legacy long-term in the game of golf. He's kind of viewed it as something that he does to make money, really, as a job. He doesn't really care necessarily where the money's coming from. He just wants large amounts of it, and he wants to win the big events. He doesn't really care outside of that. As our friend Ken Barkley, you better you bet, walks out to our show every single time he comes on the big show. Oh, this would help if I had this actually on. Yeah, that's exactly what he wants. I mean, that, that's exactly what he's doing. So he's going to go over to the Live Tour, and Abraham Answer is in that wave as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen the PGA Tour. Interestingly enough, they're kind of doing exactly what Phil Mickelson wanted them to do, and whether you like it or not, this is the beauty of capitalism. You have competition, and in turn, you get benefits from it. So guys on the PGA Tour now... The PGA announced today what they're going to do is they're going to put in eight events for the top 50 finishers in the FedEx Cup from the previous season, and they're going to be very lucrative events, so you can win more money than you regularly would, and there's going to be no cuts. Does that sound familiar at all, Adam? A little bit. 
think that format sounds a little bit like the Live Tour. I think the PGA looks at it and says, you know what, that's maybe not a bad idea to reward our players. And you want to know why Phil Mickelson was frustrated with the PGA Tour? Because he looks at the money that they're giving now because of this Live Tour and saying, why weren't you giving that to us before? Why weren't you using some of the extra money that you had because we knew you had it and putting it into the purses on the actual PGA Tour? Why does it take this tour now doing this to reform this? It all comes back to what I've said a lot off air. Competition breeds creativity. Even if it's a little bit behind the times as we can kind of analyze with this whole PGA Tour stuff, it still breeds creativity. You think this is happening if any of this Live Golf stuff isn't going on? Absolutely not. No, absolutely. It probably would not. So I think in turn what it's done is it's made the players some extra cash on the PGA Tour. And I think that's kind of the ultimate goal that Phil Mickelson had when he was leaving. And he's kind of been the one that's kind of spearheaded this whole thing with the Live Tour. He wanted to kind of reform the PGA Tour in a sense, and this is what you're going to get with it. Speaking of all the money, and this is completely kind of off base, but I just saw this a little while ago from Mm betonline.ag. They have this list out of sports stars who have suffered the biggest salary losses investing in crypto. Saquon Barkley. Uh, Well, it is an NFL football player, but uh, not Saquon, although he is on the list. Uh, So there are one, two, three, four, five... NFL players on this list from betonline.ag. Saquon is on there. He has apparently lost $10 million investing in Bitcoin. Odell Beckham Jr. also (laughs) invested in Bitcoin, has lost three quarters of a million dollars. Uh, Andre Iguodala is on the list in Bitcoin, not NFL. Russell Okung lost $6.5 million. Sean Culkin. Was Russell Okung the guy that was the first one to sign his entire contract in bitcoin i i have no idea i think he was now here's the big winner quote unquote trevor lawrence this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 